President Trump's acting chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney. Thank you for joining us, uh, Mr. Mulvaney. The, the, the president has said over and over again that he is okay with the Mueller report being released because of those public statements. Attorney General Bill Barr says he will not submit the report to the White House for a privilege review. Can you assure us, assure the American people that the president will not change his mind on this, that he will not first ask to see the report before allowing it to be released? From the very beginning, we've said what we're saying now, which is Mr. Barr gets to handle this. That's how the law works. And Mr. Barr has made it, uh, made it clear that he's going to uh, release it to Congress before he shows it to us. That's his decision. So we're going to let the system work. Keep in mind, this is, this is an extraordinarily thorough report. It took two years, millions of dollars, hundreds of people, thousands of subpoenas. Um, it worked the way it was supposed to work. We don't think it should have taken place in the first place. But since it did, we're glad it was as thorough as it was because it said exactly what the president said it would say from the very beginning, which was there was no collusion and no obstruction. So we are, on one hand, happy that it's over. Uh, at the same time, not surprised by the conclusions because it's exactly what we said it was going to be. So if Mr. Barr wants to show it to Congress first, he's going to do that. If he's going to redact part of it, he's going to do that. If he's not, he's going to do that. This is how the system is supposed to work. And we're very uh, happy to let the system play out the way the law intended. So, so there's no question that uh, uh, Bard quotes Mueller directly in saying that he did not find that there was collusion between the campaign uh, and, uh, and the Russians. But why do you and why does the president say that uh, Mueller found no obstruction? In fact, he makes no such statement. Uh, let's look at his exact words. This is as quoted by Bill Barr. While this report does not conclude the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. So the president's out there saying full exoneration. The words oh. are does not exonerate him. Keep in mind a couple of things. I think that's actually, uh, that's a pull quote from the Mueller report. That's not Barr's interpretation. Yes. I, I couldn't see the exact quote. But yes, that's right. Keep in mind, uh, that is not what these documents do. When you do an investigation like this, there's typically two outcomes. Either criminal indictments come down or it just quietly goes away. These types of investigations are not designed to exonerate people. So what you saw here is simply uh, Mueller saying, you know what, uh, I'm going to let Barr call this one. Uh, he, he had plenty of evidence to say on collusion. Absolutely not. And he actually uh, punted over to Barr. Again, that's the way the system can and does work. Barr, if you go elsewhere in the letter, lower down again, I don't have a copy sitting in front of me. It says that he and Rod Rosenstein, who up until last week was a darling of the left, found not a single, not a single piece of conduct, not a single act that constituted obstruction. Um, so that's why we are absolutely comfortable saying that the president has been fully exonerated. Yes, Barr does, excuse me, Mueller does use those words, but again, those are words you would typically find in this type of investigation. Except the president saying specifically the special counsel exonerated me when the special counsel said he did not exonerate him. Uh, but, but let me ask you, another thing that the Democrats are asking for here, in addition to the full release of the report, is the underlying materials. I imagine there will be a fight over that. But there's one thing that the White House could release right now, and that is the president's written Q&A. You know, he answered questions in writing from the special counsel. Will the White House release those answers? That's the president's own words. Keep in mind, we, we followed the law. We will continue to do that. Congress 
uh, mostly Democrats, in fact, all Democrats in Congress, want to keep going. We, our attitude is sort of enough is enough. You had your two years, you had all this money, you had all this opportunity to look everywhere, and you did, and there's nothing there. There is no there there. It is time to move on. This is enough of this. Apparently, Democrats simply uh, refuse to accept that. We, we don't know what more Mr. Mueller could have done. In fact, in another part of Mr. Barr's letter, you see that they gave the president absolutely zero special treatment. There was a lot of conjecture going into this uh, before the report was released that somehow the president would get special treatment because of the DOJ policy about not indicting a, a sitting president. The Barr letter makes it very, very clear that that special treatment was not applied here. They applied the same standards they would as to anybody, and there's still no grounds for any criminal charges. So uh, there is no collusion. There is no obstruction. I know that a lot of my friends in the other party are still upset that Donald Trump is president, but it is time uh, to move on because enough is enough when it comes to this, the, uh, the collusion and obstruction. But, but I asked about the president's written answers. Will he release those? Uh, Mr. Barr is going to decide what he releases. Okay. Congress doesn't get to do criminal investigations. That's not an Article I authority. The <clears throat> law has been followed. The <clears throat> Things have played out the way they were supposed to. Again, we didn't think it was necessary in the first place. We think the basis for bringing uh, the special uh, uh, investigation was wrong. But now that it's done, it's been done properly. Congress uh, needs to find something else to worry about. So I, I want to play to you what the president said to me about Democrats shortly after the release of Barr's letter. There are a lot of people out there that have done some very, very evil things, very bad things, I would say treasonous things uh, against our country. Those people will certainly be looked at. And here's what the president said just last month in his State of the Union address. We must reject the politics of revenge, resistance, and retribution, and embrace the boundless potential of cooperation, compromise, and the common good. So why is the president talking about his opponents as being evil and treasonous and suggesting that he wants uh, revenge or retribution? Isn't that directly in contrast to what he told the American public in the I State of the Union? I certainly think you could make the case, and we will be making the case, that the reason this played out the way that it did, and the reason the Mueller report even exists now, is that there was a small group of people within the law enforcement community, specifically the FBI and the DOJ, who really did want to overturn the election. They were completely stunned by the fact that Donald Trump won. We call it Trump derangement syndrome. They can't not accept the fact that he's president. And from the very beginning, in fact, before the election, that actually set the table to try and prevent him from becoming president. If that happened, that is a challenge to our to our republic, the likes of which we've not seen for a long time. And we don't think it's that outrageous to suggest that it could have. The president would only be doing his job if he tries to make sure whether or not that happened, and if it did, to make sure the people who committed those particular acts are brought to justice. That's not an unreasonable position to take. That's not revenge. That's simply protecting the democracy. You heard the president say many times this week, this should never happen again to any president. He didn't say it should never happen to him. He said it should never happen again to any president, Republican, Democrat, whatever. You cannot have the state, the bureaucracy, call it the deep state if you want to, have the ability to try and overturn an election. And if that happened, someone needs to be responsible for it. Rand Paul suggested that Congress should actually investigate Barack Obama. Does the president think that's got a good idea? 
Um, I've seen, again, I, I haven't paid as close attention to this as some of my friends have on the House Oversight Committee or the House Judiciary Committee, um, but there have been some folks who suggested that uh, perhaps folks in the Oval Office, certainly in the West Wing, might have known about this at a very early stage. I can't, that's conjecture on my part, um, but if, it, if we do investigate, I think you need a full investigation to find out uh, exactly who made these decisions to try and overturn uh, an election. Okay, let's move on. The president uh, threatened closing, shutting down entirely the Mexican border as soon as this upcoming week. Uh, he obviously made uh, the, the same threat back in December. What would it take for him not to do that this week? Uh, something dramatic. Um, keep in mind, when Jay Johnson says it's a crisis, uh, I hope people now believe us. Um, a lot of folks, many folks in the media, not you necessarily, but a lot of other networks did, they didn't believe us. Democrats didn't believe us a month ago, two months ago, when we said what was happening at the border was a crisis, a humanitarian crisis, a security crisis. And I'm, I'm very glad to see that Jay Johnson now at least is admitting that we were right and that 100,000 people coming across the border this month, that's not a made-up number, by the way, despite the fact that many Democrats still think that it is. That is a crisis. Why are we talking about closing the border? Um, because not for spite and not to not to try and 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 uh, and uh, and undo what's happening, but to simply say, look, we need the people from the ports of entry to go out and patrol in the desert where we don't have any wall. Um, we hate to say we told you so, but we told you so. We need border security, and we're going to do the best we can with what we have. The Democrats will not give us any additional money to do this. They won't give us any additional people, and importantly, they will not change the law that is acting as this giant magnet for people from South and Central America to come into this country. Faced with those limitations, the president will do everything he can. If closing the ports of entry mean that, that's exactly what he intends to do. The Mexican foreign minister has responded to this, the president's words, by saying Mexico does not act on the basis of threats. Your response to the Mexican government? Uh, the same response that we give to all of our, uh, of our friends to the south, which is we need your help. Um, we need more action. Um, Mexico could be doing more. El Salvador could be doing more. Honduras could be doing more. We do give these countries hundreds of millions of dollars in aid, and we need them to do more. Mexico has taken some good steps. I think you saw uh, a, a record number of people returned to Mexico over the past week. That's a move in the right direction. But when you're dealing with 100,000 people a month, taking a couple hundred people a day doesn't solve the problem. We need Mexico to solidify its southern border. We need, we need uh, the, the Northern Triangle countries to do more about not allowing their people into Mexico. Um, they can help us. We need them to do that. If not, it makes very little sense for us to continue to send them aid. But can you explain to me, uh, Kirsten Nielsen, the Secretary of Homeland Security, uh, visited Central America this week. She met with representatives of the Mexican government. She actually praised Mexico for helping on this issue and announced an historic agreement, her words, historic agreement with the, uh, the, the, the governments of Central America, the so-called Northern Triangle, to deal with this problem. And then literally the next day, the president announces he's going to shut down the border and, and, and he's going to take back all aid or stop all aid to Central America. How is the president so at odds with his own Secretary of Homeland Security on this. Oh, oh he's not. I mean, look, he's I not. think we're all... I mean, no, she he's said, not. No, no, she here, said she praised Mexico, Mick. That, that's fine. Actions speak louder than words. Kirsten's right to, to thank them for their words, but we need 
action. Um, you can sign all the memorandums of understanding that you, you can. You can make all the promises that you want. But when you're still sending 100,000 people a month across the southern border, actions speak louder than words. We want to work uh, with Mexico. We want to work with the Northern Triangle countries. But we need their assistance. The, the other thing that uh, uh, Secretary Nielsen has asked for is authority from Congress to detain children for a longer period of time. You know, you have the, whole, the issue with the court decision that says you can't do it more than 20 days. She wants to be able to detain the children with their families for a longer period of time. Is, you know, the, these asylum cases can take years. Could you really see the United States detaining uh, children, even with their families, for years? Listen, DHS is in a pinch a bunch of different ways. Keep in mind, um, they're also dealing with the challenge of the unaccompanied children. They're only allowed to hold those children for, I think, 72 hours before they have to deliver them by law to HHS. HHS doesn't have any place to put them. DHS cannot release them because they're unaccompanied children, and they cannot, by law, send them back to the countries that they came for. So DHS has gone to Congress and say, look, we need legal help. Either um, give us the right to return these, these children to their countries or give us the right to do something else with them, because right now they're in a box. Congress can fix this. But again, when you have a Democrat party, many of whom refuse to even admit the facts. I've been in meetings with Nancy Pelosi when she said she didn't believe the numbers. And when you have such a disconnect like that, it's clear that Democrats are not going to help us. So it shouldn't surprise anybody that we're turning to what some folks might think extreme measures, because the way it's supposed to work is not working. We're supposed to fix this by changing the laws. Democrats won't do that. So we're looking at cutting off aid and closing the borders. Again, those are decisions that we're, our, our, hands are forced, our hands are forced on that decisions because Democrats won't help us fix the problem. The other big announcement from the White House was joining, uh, asking the courts essentially to terminate all of Obamacare. I, I want to ask you, we are eight and a half million people that are enrolled in Obamacare in, in 2019. You also had another 61 million at the very least who have pre-existing conditions and have been able uh, to, to get health insurance in part because of the guarantee that they can get health coverage without, you know, under Obamacare, uh, even if they have pre-existing conditions. And also about 6 million Americans who are 26 and younger are on their parents' health plans uh, because of Obamacare. Can you guarantee that if you succeed in court, that all of those tens of millions of people who have health coverage guaranteed because of Obamacare will not lose their coverage? Yes, and here's why. Let's talk about pre-existing conditions because it gets a lot of the attention, and rightly so. Every single plan that this White House has ever put forward since Donald Trump was elected covered pre-existing conditions. Every single plan that Republicans in the House voted on in the previous Congress covered pre-existing conditions. Every single plan considered by the Senate covers pre-existing conditions. The debate about pre-existing conditions is over. Both parties support them, and anyone telling you anything different is lying to you for political gain. Pre-existing conditions are going to be covered. The debate becomes, how do you best do it? Obamacare is not working. Even Democrats admit that, which is why this week it didn't get a lot of coverage. They introduced their own fix bill because they know Obamacare doesn't work. Those numbers you gave are accurate, but keep in mind, you put all those people together, people who are on the individual exchanges, people who are on their parents' programs at 26, more people than that, most of them in the middle class, paid a fine last year so they didn't have to take Obamacare. People are actually paying money to the government not to have to take Obamacare. That is a symptom of something that is desperately broken. We would love to work with the Democrats on repairing that problem, on fixing things. We honestly don't think they will do uh, any of that. They w we don't think they'll work with us unless this court case proceeds and Obamacare 
is found to be unconstitutional, which is what we believe. So um, it shouldn't come as any uh, surprise to anybody that Republicans think Obamacare is unconstitutional. The position we took this week in the court we believe is correct. We look forward to working with Democrats. If not, we'll try and fix it by ourselves. We are just about out of time, but I want to ask you about the Special Olympics. Uh, obviously, the, the budget called for eliminating federal funds for the Special Olympics. Betsy DeVos has said that, that she was working behind the scenes uh, to protect that funding. The president said he overruled his people to guarantee that funding. So let me ask you, if it not Betsy DeVos, if not the president, who exactly was pushing to defund the Special Olympics? Keep in mind, debates like this happen every single day. They're happening even on a Sunday here in Washington, or up in Washington, D.C. at my office about various policies. We have disagreements all the time about policy. I would hope that folks would appreciate the fact that we're actually having critical review of all of the ways that we spend government's money. So some folks will take one side of an issue, other folks will take another side. What you saw this week is the way the system is supposed to work, which is the president made the final decision. He actually listened to the public. The public said, you know what, Mr. President, we don't like that proposal that was in your budget. And he said, you know what, you're right, I'll change it. This is how the process is supposed to work. This is the president's budget. It's not the the OMB budget, it's not the Department of Education budget, it's the president's budget. These discuss, keep in mind, the budget is $1.3 trillion. That's $1,300,000 million, of which uh, Special Olympics is about 17. So 17 of 1,300,000. These types of debates happen every single day. The system worked exactly like it's supposed to. The president made the decision. It's the right decision. He did it because he listened to people. And I'm happy to see that process work out. And I think the end result is, uh, is, the, is the right one. Acting Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, by the way, are you going to lose the acting in your title? What's the status on that? Listen, we all serve at the, at the pleasure of the president. You call me whoever you want to. Uh, I enjoy going to work every single day. I think he works, uh, enjoys having me there, and uh, it's been a fun, a fun couple of months. All right, so we'll call you today. Acting Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, thank you for joining us. Thanks, John. Hi, everyone. George Stephanopoulos here. Thanks for checking out the ABC News YouTube channel. If you'd like to get more videos, show highlights, and watch live event coverage, click on the right over here to subscribe to our channel. And don't forget to download the ABC News app for breaking news alerts. Thanks for watching.